Own Your Truth with life strategist Laura T. Real advice for regular people. Now, here's Laura. Hello, and welcome to Own Your Truth, where we're talking real advice for regular people. I'm Laura T. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's lots of ways you can spend your time, and I'm always grateful you're going to spend the next hour with me. Today's show is an important one because I know it's something a lot of us are struggling with. So grab a pencil and paper, and let's talk about setting boundaries. That's setting boundaries at home and at work. This tends to be a hot topic for people because most people I work with have a strong desire to create a life where there are boundaries, but there's also a lot of resistance to creating the boundaries they need for that life. So I want you to know up front, resistance is natural. I mean, after all, think about the idea of boundaries, right? It's often viewed as a negative. They are seen as something that separates us. It's um, a dividing line that shouldn't be crossed. Well, today, I want you to consider a different visual. I want you to think about giving this idea of boundaries different meaning. Because sure, boundaries could have that negative meaning. Or what if you thought about boundaries more like a new wooden fence that has lattice at the top, and it beautifully frames your property with a big open gate to let visitors in. The wood is strong so it can withstand the weather. The lattice allows the light in so you know you're not alone. The boundaries give you privacy and the gate lets you decide who and when you want to let someone come in. It's a totally different picture of boundaries and yet it's still a boundary. So how you define boundaries for yourself will impact your energy around them, whether it be positive or negative, and it will impact your ability to maintain them. And that's the toughest thing about boundaries. A lot of people talk about boundaries, but then have a hard time following through on them. So boundaries are really about what you're willing to let into your experience and what you want to keep out. It's important to know there's no right or wrong answer, and no one can set boundaries for you. And I say that with this caveat, unless you let them, right, which is often what happens. As we explore this idea of boundaries, you'll hear me say over and over and over, we teach people how to treat us. This is the most important message I can give you throughout this hour. If you don't set boundaries, you need to know someone else will set them for you, and it's likely it's going to be at a different, very different place than where you would have set them yourself. I'm going to repeat that. It's really important that you know, if you don't set boundaries, someone else will set them for you. So, we think if we don't set boundaries, it'll be easier, right? Like, there's this desire to avoid confrontation and you know in the beginning it starts off as a small sacrifice the problem is that when we don't set boundaries at the start one small sacrifice after another gets stacked and over time that stacking turns into agitation agitation turns into frustration frustration turns into disappointment disappointment turns into resentment and resentment turns into anger Nothing is easy about living a life shadowed in those energies. So that idea of setting boundaries up front, it's a coaching topic I talk about a lot. And so today, 
during this episode, I'm going to use a lot of client and personal examples because we learn through storytelling and this is a real topic. So I want to share with you real life situations. You know, it's funny because I'm often asked to talk to groups about uh, work-life balance. Inevitably, in talking about work-life balance, I have to bring up this idea of setting boundaries because it's impossible to create a sense of balance if you don't have any boundaries. And, you know, the truth is, as a result of doing this countless times, I need you to know that what I'm going to share is simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy to implement. When I talk to groups, especially groups of women, there's always a couple women in the crowd who are really resistant. And the story they tell themselves is that in their world, it's so different than what I could understand that I couldn't relate and or this would not work for them. And so please know it's okay if you feel that resistance while you're listening to today's show. Also know that this can work for anyone anywhere if you choose to implement the ideas I mentioned. For some people, that's not comfortable. Discomfort does not mean impossible. If you don't choose to implement any of these ideas, that's okay too. Just recognize you're not stuck doing what you're doing. You're choosing to do what you're doing. That's another topic I'm going to bring up a lot throughout the next hour. And let me give you some context for this, right? So at a recent speech, I had shared that I'm really good at saying no. It's taken years of practice, but there are certain things that I'm really good at saying no to. I'm good at saying no to the PTA. I'm good at saying no to being a chaperone on school trips. I'm really good at saying no to carpooling with families that don't live near me. Because over time, I've come to recognize when I say yes to one thing, I'm I'm automatically saying no to something else. So to me, and this is just my definition, saying yes to the PTA, which is not a natural group for me to participate in, means that I'm saying no to creating new ideas in my business because I don't have the energy left after a PTA meeting, right? Saying yes to being a chaperone on a school trip means I'm saying no to having patience with my own kids after spending the day watching other people's kids. Saying yes to carpooling with families that don't live near me means I'm saying no to an extra half hour of meal time with my family before practice. And so as I share this with a group of women, um, this woman very curtly says to me, well, thanks to you saying no, the rest of us have to pick up your slack. I said, oh, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting perspective. Thank you so much for pointing that out. The truth is you don't have to pick up slack. If you choose to participate in those activities because that's how you show up in the world, I am so grateful to you because you're right. We do need people who are willing to do those things. I'm just not the person. I'm not the best person to do them. It's important for you to recognize that just like me, you have free will and you don't have to do them either. Like what a gorgeous shift in energy when you move from, I have to do this because no one else will, to I choose to do this because this is how I like to show up. Completely different energy. So I do say yes and volunteer to serve where the activity is in alignment with who I am and the experience I want to have. 
This two millimeter shift in thinking allows me to move away from obligation and toward gratification. Like when you own your choice, you can actually enjoy what you do. I know the activities I mentioned above are just not natural for me. I would have to spend a lot of energy adapting how I show up in the world to be my best in those situations and know I would never be my best in them. Like, for example, I always talk about school trips. Like, I'm horrible. I have to be honest. Like, sometimes I don't even like being responsible for my own kids. So the thought of being responsible for 10 to 15 of someone else's kids, like, puts me into a tizzy. I get strict. I don't enjoy it. And you know what the sad part is? The kids don't have fun either. I have to be honest, my kids don't want me as their chaperone because I'm not that much fun. And guess what? That's okay. That's not where I show up at my best. There are certain things I love to do that most other people don't like to do. So, for example, I love fundraising. If you want me to ask people for money to support your cause and it's a cause I believe in, I'm all over it. I'm there for you. Giving people the space to give in the ways they like to give and to say no when they want to say no is important. I'm going to talk about that more toward the end of the show, this idea of saying no and accepting no. This is a really vital part of our being able to set boundaries, is understanding where other people's boundaries are as well. So we'll talk about that a little later in the show. Um, so we can talk about this from the abstract, um, and it will be helpful to listen to different ideas, but really the best way to apply boundaries is to talk about specific examples. So as I mentioned, I'm going to share some situations, some real life situations that I've been dealing with or I've dealt with in the past or people that I work with have been dealing with. Um, before we get into those examples, I'm going to suggest that you start by writing down the top three areas where you feel you need to set boundaries most. So it could be anything in your life. It could be setting a boundary to leave work at five. It could be setting a boundary not to pick up after your kids. It could be setting a boundary about technology at the dinner table. Whatever boundary you need to create for a better life experience for yourself. You want to write that down and have this in mind as we go through and I share examples throughout the episode. Next, write under each boundary what prevents you from establishing that boundary today. What prevents you from leaving work on time? Sometimes it's, you know, there's too much work to be done. My team will think I'm not dedicated. My boss will question my work ethic. Really think deeply about what is really preventing you from setting the boundaries that you want today. The next question I'm going to have you consider is, if there was nothing preventing you from taking your first step to creating a boundary in each of the three areas you've outlined, what could you do? What could be the first thing that you could do to get closer to setting a boundary? So if you didn't have that thing in your world preventing you, what would be your first step? An example of that could be, I won't schedule or approve meetings after 3 p.m., right? I will talk to my team about boundaries, share my boundaries, and ask them to set their own. Maybe it's I'll sit with my boss and ask how he defines work ethic or talk to him about priorities and setting regular updates so that I no longer have to question if he sees or understands my work ethic. Going through these questions again is going to start to get you resourceful. It's going to have you thinking about what it takes to make progress. The next question is, 
what would have to happen today for you to get past what prevents you from taking action? I mean, sometimes it's as simple as I have to change my definition of dedication. Maybe it's I have to start having deeper conversations with my team or my boss on how to define work ethic and dedication. These are just a few examples to get you thinking about what would work best for you. In answering these questions, it's important to stay true to who you are. You want to start thinking about what you want and what it would take for you to make progress. And the great thing about mindset work is that small steps can have a huge impact. So go slow, make sure you're comfortable, and then take action. To setting boundaries with family, the whole idea of setting boundaries at home. You know, and I have to say, this tends to be the most difficult area to create boundaries and stick to. So during this process and during the process of mindset growth, remember, I mentioned this right before the break, you know, be kind to yourself. Start off with small steps. I'd mentioned that small steps create huge progress, but it's got, you've got to make sure that you're comfortable and celebrating the small successes. Okay. Boundaries for extended family. Like I said, I'm going to jump into some helpful examples. I have a client uh, while growing up, everyone relied on her to organize the family. It, somehow, she had become responsible for pulling everyone together, um, pulling everyone together for events, pulling everyone together for holidays. And the truth is, in her early years, she took on this role proudly. It was like she had a purpose and people turned to her. You know, most often we just want to know that we're needed. The challenge came as she got older and the family dynamic shifted. You know, it happens often where it seems simple when you're younger and things become a little bit more complex when you're adding spouses and children. And as the role grew, she was she somehow became responsible for soothing over relationship challenges. And then she's mediating family conflict. And it became just way too much. It was so stressful for her. And here's the crazy part. She didn't realize she had the power to say no. We talked about it during a session, and it was as if like a light bulb went off. She said, oh, that's right. I can just say no. I can just say no. I don't want to organize the family holiday this year. No, I don't want to be the one responsible to get my brother and sister talking again. And so... In recognizing that she had this power to say no, it was also equally important that she redefine her role in the family. And so I said, you know, what do you want your new role to be? And she had to think about it for a minute. And she's like, you know, I don't really know. And then all of a sudden she said, yes, I do. I want to be the one who can improve the energy in the room with just my joy. I want to be the one who can break family tension with humor. I don't want to be the one mediating anything. I just want to be me. And so redefining that role was important because without doing it in advance, there can feel like there's a sense of loss, right? Because you say no to one role and then you kind of look around and you're like, oh, wait a second, you know, where do I fit in? And it's important to know that once you do this, it does change the family dynamic. Change doesn't mean bad. It's just different. And so defining in advance what you want that difference to be will allow you to create it instead of responding to the difference your family thinks they see. So 
what can you do? If you're dealing with this situation where you have a role that's been defined by um, a younger you or uh, previous experiences and you don't feel like you fit into that role anymore or you don't want to even serve in that role anymore, well, as I mentioned, the first step is to redefine how you want to be seen in the family. What do you want your role to be? What is your ideal family experience? You know, this is something we don't often consider, and it's something that's so important because it's what we build on. And so that's the start. While we're on the topic of family, we want to look at how can we use this idea of identity and boundaries and apply it to other relationships in the family unit. The one I, I talk about often with clients is intimate relationships, right? With your spouse or your partner. And, you know, it's really ironic. It, the conversation is so different when I'm talking with people who are in newer relationships versus people who have been together for years and years and years. Um, and yet, if we focused on setting our boundaries in the beginning, our later years would be so much better. Um, so... What happens is, in a new relationship, um, often people aren't defining what they want. They're accommodating their partner because they think, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do, and oh, this is no big deal. The problem is, in the moment, those small things we accommodate don't feel like a big deal. But once you've stacked those small things over 5, 10, 15, 20 years, it becomes a problem. And it creates a lot of conflict. And so if you're someone who values steadiness, you may not be setting boundaries because that exact reason, you don't want to create conflict. The important thing to know is if you don't address it now, it will come up as great conflict later down the road. And at that point, you become resentful and your spouse can't figure it out because they've been, they've been the same way all this time. It's you who chose to adapt in the beginning of the relationship instead of owning your truth. And when you're ready to make the shift, it can often seem like a huge change for your partner or your spouse. Remember what I said at the beginning of the show. If you don't set boundaries, someone else will set them for you. And it's likely you won't like where they put the line. Okay, so what can you do? Well, regardless of where you are in the relationship, consider the areas where you feel stuck or under-supported. For example, you know, one of the things I often hear is if a woman talks about working a full-time job and then they come home and they're cooking and they're cleaning and they're taking out the kids and, oh, the, the language they use around it is, oh, I have to do it. Remember, if you're at the mercy of someone else, then you've turned your power over to them. And hey, listen, sometimes it's easier to give someone else the power because then you don't have to take responsibility for your own experience. The key is that if you're not taking responsibility for your experience, that's a choice as well, and you have to own that choice. So I'll give you, I'll give you a personal example on this one. Um, when I was first married, married, I remember telling my mother-in-law that I don't do her son's laundry, my, my husband's laundry. And her response was just so unbelievable. She's like, oh, I didn't know that was an option. 
And I laughed and I said, oh, actually it is an option and it's wonderful. And for years she has done my father-in-law's laundry and still does to this day. And clearly this is not something she enjoys because she didn't know that she could say no to it. Well, you know, the, the irony of this particular situation is that I didn't stop doing my husband's laundry over some like big um, fight or big to do. It was actually a simple interaction that was so powerful. What happened was I was pregnant. I was tired. I had gone to work. I was folding laundry in front of the TV. And, you know, I thought about it. I said to my husband, you know, I would really like if when I do your laundry, if you say thank you and then put your laundry away right away so that I can get the basket back. I think that's the least that you can do for me doing all of your laundry. And without even a second thought, he just looked at me and he said, no, that's okay. I'll just do my own laundry. And I said to him, wait, I'm going to just play back what I'm hearing to make sure that I'm correct. So instead of thanking me and putting away your laundry, you're going to do it yourself. And he said, and these words are very important, yeah, I just don't care about it that much. And so, yeah, I don't mind doing my own laundry. Well, oh my gosh, what a gift. So I was like, okay, fantastic. There was no fight. There was no disagreement. I asked for what I wanted, and he said he'd rather do his laundry on his own. And you know what? I haven't done his laundry since. It's been 16 years. Now, let's be honest, ladies. I mean, there could be many stories that I could have created in my head about, you know, why he wouldn't say thank you and, you know, oh, maybe he doesn't love me and all the other stuff that we come up with, right? And it's human to think of those. It doesn't mean they are correct. Because the truth in this situation was, I had to listen to his words. He said, I don't care. I'll do it. I thought I was doing his laundry to show him how much I cared about him. He didn't give it the same meaning. So not only was I giving myself extra work, I created a story around what it meant for me to do that work. And I'm the only one reading that chapter. Nobody else cares. He didn't care. And so... The key for me was, okay, what kind of systems do I need to put in place so it doesn't bother me that I'm not doing his laundry? Because, I mean, I really had to play this game with myself. So I put a laundry basket in his closet so that I didn't have to see his dirty laundry. Um, and I created this, this boundary that said, you know what? I have to follow through with what he's asked for. He said that he wants to do his own laundry, and therefore, I don't do it anymore. And again... It's a beautiful gift, understanding the meaning we're giving things and the meaning other people have for what we're doing is one of the best ways to set boundaries because it's often those meanings are not the same. So now I talk about boundaries with kids. This is a big one because there's been a, a major shift in society. It used to be parents um, had their life and then the kids kind of fit into it. Well, now it's not that way. Parents wrap their life around whatever the kids have going on. So whether it's sports or school or, um, and it's strange to me that we do this. And I know that I do it too. The most interesting thing is that kids, they only know what we teach them. So 
we are teaching them that we will wrap our world around what they're doing. And I use this very simple example. I remember when uh, my kids were really little and a lot of my friends would say, oh, my kids wake me up at 5 a.m. And, you know, it's they, I can't get a wink of sleep. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting because I sleep until I get up, which is at that point in time, you know, 730, 8 o'clock, um, because I'm not a morning person, so I the thought of being woken up by my child at some crazy hour like puts makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and so I knew I had a choice to teach them how I expected them to behave in the morning, and so there were gates in the front of their door, and they were not allowed to get out of bed until I came to get them. They could jump out of bed to get a book or a toy to play with in their bed, but it was really important that I set a boundary, that I don't get woken up by them, they get woken up by me, and then together we would go downstairs and spend time together as a family. And they knew there were consequences if they did any different. And so they quietly sat on their bed and they enjoyed it. They weren't suffering. They didn't even have electronics then. Um, they literally had to entertain themselves with whatever toys were in their room. And, you know, when I'll, I'll have parents say, oh, well, my kid wouldn't do that. Well, I have a very strong-willed daughter and she's not naturally compliant she would not think of moving from her bed because the reality was there were consequences to testing the boundary. So it doesn't matter if they're three years old or they're 15 years old, it's setting that boundary and showing them that there are consequences for them testing the boundary. Really, really important. That follow-up is really the key to success, whether you're talking about your children or whether you're talking about your spouse. So. It is time for our Musical Artist of the Week. Today, I'm excited to bring back music from California Guitar Trio. If you listened to the show two weeks ago, you know I interviewed Paul Richards from the band. Check out that fantastic interview on my website or on, web, on iTunes. And I bring his music back this week because I had the opportunity to see the group play live on Wednesday. And I have to tell you, the only way I can describe it is if the guitar was a language, the California Guitar Trio has absolutely perfected it. Through sound, we transcended place and time, we traveled through the marsh, we survived an earthquake, um, we climbed mountains and literally experienced guitar in the most profound way. So their music touches my soul and their mastery is just totally inspiring. I had to share with you another song from the California Guitar Trio. So without further ado, this is the marsh. Enjoy.
Welcome back. This is Own Your Truth with Laura T. I hope you enjoyed the beautiful sounds of California Guitar Trio. We're talking about setting boundaries both at home and at work. Before the Musical Artist of the Week, uh, we talked about setting boundaries at home. And just to wrap up that concept, I think it's important to see that there's a pattern, whether it's with kids or adults, Boundaries are always easiest when they're set early, whether it's early in the relationship or early in the kid's life. Decide what boundaries you want to have. What are the things you want to do and don't want to do? And then stay true to you. It will provide you more energy and give back to the people you care most about in your life. Um, You'll have more access to overflow your love and joy to them. Okay, let's talk about boundaries at work. Because uh, remember, regardless of where you are or who you're interacting with, we teach people how to treat us. I warned you, I was going to say this a number of times throughout today's episode. You know, the majority of my clients come to me when they're at the height of their career. You know, they tend to be working 80 plus hours a week, and most often they're miserable. Not miserable with the work that they're doing. Typically, they're passionate people who love their their career. They're miserable with their life experience because it's so wrapped up in work. And, you know, the story they tell themselves is they have to put in those hours. Remember, we talked about this when you say you have to, you give your power over instead of showing up and owning your choices and your decisions. And, you know, for people working crazy hours, sometimes it's, you know, I have to do it to get all the work done. Sometimes I have to do it to get the promotion. Sometimes it's, I have to do it to maintain the perfectionist quality I expect. And all of that may be true. The question to ask yourself is, does that story serve you, right? Are you doing the work because it's what needs to be done for the job? Or are you doing the work because that's how you show up to work? Again, it's a two millimeter shift. This is what I have to do, which is obligation to this is what I choose to do because it's who I am, which is empowerment. There's a ton of research that shows after a certain number of hours of work, there is a diminishing return on what you're able to produce. And you know the numbers may vary based on behavior and based on other factors, but I will tell you with 100% certainty, after 60 or more hours, diminishing return. And I, I think even that's high. The bottom line is you become less effective, you're unable to make high-level decisions, and you're less capable of working through issues with other people when you're burnt out. Here in the U.S., we talk about being busy and multitasking like they're badges of honor. Listen, there's no honor in being miserable. Even for those people who love their work, like many of the clients that I work with, it's important to set boundaries because without them, you aren't creating the space necessary for you to re-energize so you can be your best at the work you love. So what can you do? You know, the first thing I say, and this drives a lot of people crazy, is forget working hard. Like working hard is not something we should be going for. We should really work toward working smart. The first and most important thing to do in terms of working smart is to set your priorities. 
set your priorities for yourself, for your team, and for your organization. You need to know when everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. So I'm going to repeat that. When everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. And so you have to pick two or three things that are a must for you to focus on each week. Everything else that gets done after those three things is a bonus. But finding fulfillment means that you've got to focus on the most important things first. Otherwise, you just end up spending all of your day putting out fires and feeling unfulfilled. I promise you, doing this will give you a greater sense of fulfillment. And it blows my mind how many high-level executives are proudly living by a to-do list, right? This is that first thing of like, oh my goodness. The problem with the to-do list is it often lists things in no particular order, right? It just comes out however you think about it. And when you're going to complete the task on your to-do list, you often start with the easiest things because your brain wants to check things off. There's a rush of adrenaline that feeds our brains when we're checking things off our list. And then here's the challenge. Many people can get through an entire list of tasks, get them accomplished, and still feel unfulfilled. Does that ever happen to you? Because getting stuff done doesn't always coincide with feeling a sense of satisfaction. You're not getting the most important things done first. But you have to decide what those are. Then schedule them once you do. It's important to put this on your calendar so that you can determine in advance how much time you need to complete the task. And then stick to your schedule. I'm going to be honest. This is the biggest challenge I have is scheduling it and then sticking to it. I'm great, actually, about putting it on the calendar. It's following through with it in the moment. And yet I will tell you that the executives that do this when I work with them are far more effective and fulfilled at the end of each week. Listen, it's easy to get distracted. Have you ever gone to research something and then that's led you to something else and then you're, oh, that's interesting and that's led you to something else. And, and after two hours, you haven't made any progress on the project you wanted to research in the first place. So schedule the activity and then set a timer if you have a phone we all have a timer set it setting a timer creates the urgency and forces your brain to stay on task and that's one of the biggest things missing for people who work on really long projects or people who uh, work independently um, for a lot of people who have small businesses they lose that sense of urgency and so it's getting your brain back into the process of creating urgency and completing things when you say you will. That integrity with your word becomes really, really important. And um, we all know, like right before vacation, right, we're the most productive ever. And it's because there's that sense of urgency. And the reason I use this technique with my clients is because I want them to create that same sense of urgency. And then it helps to have me there as accountability in that check-in each week. By scheduling time in your calendar and limiting the time you have to complete a task, you will get more done and you will have time to do more. We've got to get back to focusing on completing something and then moving on to the next thing. So on this idea of work and um, setting boundaries, 
I recently spoke with a woman who's looking for a coach because her job was really stressful. Here's the crazy thing about the situation is her work literally deals with life and death situations, but the most stressful part of her job were the demands put on her by her boss. It was the paperwork she had to fill out. It was the administrative requirements of the organization. And so when we look at situations like this, I'm constantly searching for, okay, what are the options? Where are the choices? She had said to me, I'm stuck here because I have a contract and I've had a contract attorney look at the contract and I, I can't get out of it. I said, oh, that's really, really interesting. So there's nothing else you can do besides staying here and being miserable. And she said, yeah, I, there's nothing. I am, I'm really, I'm stuck. And so after a couple of seconds, I said, well, you know, technically there is an option for you. You could get yourself fired. And she was like, oh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess technically, right? I want, when you're considering all of your options and looking at this idea of creating boundaries for your life experience, it's important that you consider everything. It's important that you put all of the options on the table so that you can see you're not stuck living within someone else's boundaries. You can create your own. Having her see there was an option allowed her to start to think, oh, wait a second, what are some other options I may have? I want to get people, I want you to see you can get into a place of empowerment even when you may not be willing or want to act on a particular option. Knowing you have them will give you hope. So what can you do? I always get back to the, the basics here. In every situation, you have three options. You can blame. And you can blame people, places, or circumstances. But most people blame circumstances because, you know, they just can't talk back. Circumstances could include the economy, it's my background, it's my lack of education, it's my upbringing. Um, blame is effective because it does keep you stuck. And being stuck can sometimes feel comfortable. And being comfortable is about protecting ourselves. And so recognizing that this process happens, again, allows you the opportunity to to get out of it. So looking at um, changing the way you think about the situation is another option, right? So once we get past blame and we say, okay, well, that's not going to work for us, we can go to perception. Let me change the way I think about my current situation, right? Right now, this potential client was stuck in the boundary created by someone else. Instead of changing her perception, it, which could be, I have choices. I have choices to take actions that get me closer to what I say I want. Again, that's about creating the boundary for yourself. The third thing you could do is change your procedure. That's literally changing your actions and what you're doing in the situation. And sometimes it means taking drastic action. You know, in this situation, her being fired is, she's a, a high-level professional. Being fired would not be something that would be natural for her. And yet, it may be necessary in order for her to stick by the boundaries for her life that she says she wants. 
When we look at every situation from these three lenses, we can see that we have the ability to choose our outcome. And in that, there is power. It's so important for us to own our own power. And so at, whether we're talking about our situations at work, whether we're talking about our family situations, this idea of owning your power becomes really, really important. So far, I've talked about setting boundaries at home, and I've shared some examples of setting boundaries at work. But even with all of this, there is a huge resistance to saying no. And that's what we're going to talk about now. It's so important that we understand no is a part of life. It's a part of existence. We need to not only be able to say no, but also accept no without creating a story behind the meaning of someone saying no. Often, no comes with a judgment, which is, you know, uh, it's instant. It's, it's, we get very worried about what other people are thinking when we say no, whether it's, you know, we're worried about our mothers and what are they going to say or our spouse and what are they going to say and what are they going to think or even our kids, how are they going to feel if we say no? I remember when I was younger, I grew up in a family business and um, all of the cousins worked together and we varied in ages. And I don't know, maybe I was about 13 years old and I had a little cousin uh, who would help out kind of behind the counter and he was, I don't know, five or six. And uh, he was doing something that was kind of dangerous. And so I said, no, 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 don't, you know, no, don't do that. And his father said to me, oh, we don't use the word no. Please don't say that. And I remember looking at him, and even at such a young age, 13, 14, 15, I forget, um, I looked at him and I said, oh, well, so no is a part of life. Why would you not want to have him hear no now when no is a part of what he will hear going forward? Don't you want to help him understand that he will hear no lots of times? And I don't even think that my cousin had a response for me. Um, we just kind of walked away from each other, and I thought, oh, no is, is so important. It's important, again, for us to learn how to say no, and equally important for us to learn how to accept no without judgment, to accept someone else's no without judgment. No doesn't have to mean opposition. It doesn't have to mean bad. No is simply no for that moment, and releasing that, is, is so important. You know, saying no to doing my husband's laundry does not mean I don't love my husband. It's not even connected. Saying no to school activities does not mean I do support my kids and what they're doing. Saying no to working crazy hours isn't because I care less about my work or I'm less dedicated. Saying no to um, working in stressful situations doesn't mean that I can't handle stressful situations. It simply means that's not the life experience I want to have. And giving everyone that space to own their life experience, to, to define what they want, and to say no is so important. It allows us to get the best out of people when they give instead of getting out of them whatever is left, the rest of them, right? Because they feel obligated. If you can leave anything, leave with anything today, 
you know, the first message I want to remind you is that we teach people how to treat us. And so when we are allowing certain behaviors and we're not clearly setting and standing strong with our boundaries, we're teaching people that that's okay. And that's our choice. Own that choice. It will give you the power to choose differently going forward. The second thing is to make sure that as you look at your roles and the roles that you've taken on in life, that you've determined them in advance. Remember, that's that idea of creating your own boundary by defining how you want to show up, how you want to show up in your family, how you want to show up as a volunteer and outside school activities, how you want to show up in the office. And then having conversations with the people who are close to you about what you want and then asking them what they want and finding out how you can support each other in that journey. And then finally, this idea of saying no and understanding that no does not mean conflict, no does not mean resistance, no simply is a way to set a boundary. And when we respect our own boundaries, it will help us respect other people's boundaries as well. I hope you've benefited as much as I have in talking about setting boundaries and that you can use some of these examples in creating boundaries in your own life. You know, I always love your feedback. Please go to the Own Your Truth with Laura T. Facebook page. Share your comments and even your suggestions. I'm looking for show topics. So if you have something that you want me to cover, go onto the page and leave me a comment. You know that I love to hear from you.